Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello and welcome. I'm Claudia Wessling and you're listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast of the Mercator Institute for China Studies. Um, in this podcast, we want to talk about China's social credit system, which one might describe as a sort of big data enabled toolkit for monitoring, rating and steering the behavior of individuals and enterprises. The Chinese title also translates as system for social trustworthiness. The system that some in the West say resembles an Orwellian dystopia of totally controlled society is meant to be very comprehensive much more comprehensive than existing credit rating mechanisms that are also familiar to us here in Europe. And China is, one can say, proceeding very fast on setting up this system. The digital mechanism it is based on is set to be gathering data on every single person in China by 2020. And some Chinese cities have already launched trials of the system that look quite scary to some of us here in the West, especially when it comes to privacy protection. To discuss this very complicated issue, I'm joined by Shazida Ahmed. Um, welcome, Shazida. Shazida is a PhD student at University of California in Berkeley and a senior research fellow here at Mercator Institute for China Studies for a few months. And her research exactly focuses on China's social credit system and the information technology policy of the Chinese government. Shazida, can you tell us what exactly China is trying to do with setting up this social credit system and what motivates the government? Um, according to some of the sources I've encountered in my research so far, social credit is meant to make up for a trust deficit in Chinese society. It's meant to incentivize people to behave morally through a system of rewards and punishments. So, for example, access to you know shared bikes and portable phone chargers are some of the rewards if your score is high and you know put on a blacklist and not being able to travel domestically are some of the things that might happen if your score is bad the words that come up a lot in the media kind of chinese articles i've been looking at about this are integrity morality honesty social credit is seen as a means of making people companies entire industrial sectors and the government itself more honest by monitoring behavior um, for each of these categories, we can think of behaviors ranging from trivial things like jaywalking to, you know, ecosystem altering acts such as industrial pollution um, as things that the government wants to employ IT to fix. Um, so as mentioned in the Merrick's Monitor on social credit, enterprise and industrial social credit systems are meant to delegate government responsibilities to technology, sensors that can detect if a factory is emitting pollutants, you know, facial recognition tools that can identify jaywalkers and maybe one day deduct points from their social credit scores, are considered independent objective tools for doing the work that traffic cops and outside auditors were once responsible for. What I found kind of surprising is that the Chinese government uh, does not embark on this project alone, but they have chosen to work together with private companies. Usually the Chinese government would be very hesitant to cooperate with the private sector in such a sensitive issue. Why did they chose this other way in this case? I think it's because private companies, you know, like Tencent, Alibaba, mm -hmm. they've already collected troves of personal and behavioral data from Chinese citizens. They're constantly working to improve the algorithms they deploy to make decisions about their users. 
They have the personnel that have the technological expertise to make the apps and the sensors that go into social credit more user-friendly, more modifiable, rapidly scalable, and interconnected with the array of other services that people use every day. Plus, their skill at data analytics help them better understand what their consumers' interests are, their needs and preferences. So if you partner with private companies, the state has access to all of this without having to invest in and build any of these organizations themselves. Um, but according to a recent report... Um The Bank of China did not review, renew the licenses of the private companies doing social credit experiments. Uh, what is behind this decision? So it's hard to tell yet. In foreign media, the reason that are the reasons that are given are that the state feels the companies have a conflict of interest, that their primary goal should be to ensure that social credit makes people follow rules. But instead, as private companies, their goal is to make a profit. It's unsurprising. And on its face, it seems kind of like a weak argument. I suspect it's being used to cover up the state's discomfort with the companies for having too much power because they've accumulated so much data on hundreds of millions of people. Um, but the widespread use of private company-issued social credit scores to unlock all sorts of perks might have also moved too quickly for regulators' comfort, which is often the case with new technological development. Another reason that I've seen provided in Chinese sources, not so much in foreign ones, is that the state felt that there were insufficient protections for citizens' privacy because the companies were collecting data that was seen as irrelevant to the purpose of social credit scoring. Uh, and they probably weren't taking enough precautions to ensure that personal information was being securely stored, is free from risks such as tampering or illegal sales, being used to blackmail people, all of which is increasingly common in China. So the state does actually care about people's privacy? Um, From some of the searches that I've been doing, yes. Um, I've. It's not like it's the most frequent kind of term that comes up in the things I'm finding, but it is increasingly a concern that's making its way into city-level, province-level policies about social credit. What are, um, to your opinion, from the government's point of view, the biggest challenge in setting up such a comprehensive system? There's what we just mentioned, the privacy and information security protections that are absent, unclear guidelines for correcting inaccurate credit information or requesting credit repair. Um, on the government side, there's unwillingness to build credit platforms because of competing departmental interests uh, and unclear division of labor. The policies, too, that are coming up around this, as I mentioned before, they're city level, province level, um, and they're interpreting major documents from the state council. So they might not all be kind of in sync with each other. So they have different data, I don't know, formats electronically. Do, sure. Are there actually um, government bodies that still gather data on paper? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is something that was in the Merrick's Monitor as well, is that some of the records that have to be digitized are coming from paper. So there has to be this clear sense of like, for all the same criteria, we're formatting this the exact same way. And that... That's why, even though I think centralizing the data is feasible over a long period of time and experimentation, there's going to be, need to be clear, enforceable regulations related to how you format the data, store it, share it, um, that are absent now. But I'm seeing, you know, in news and things that like the National Development and Reform Commission and other government bodies are trying to come together to figure out how to do this. Mm. You, you said in the beginning that in the population, this... Uh this way of controlling or s of scoring credit credibility um is not is not really criticized very much um because people also think that there's a lot of crime going on and uh, enterprises do not stick to regulations and they are f in favor of those enterprises and criminals of being controlled um but uh, apart from that how do the government and the companies try to sell this scoring system to the public i mean there, there sure. will be reservations i guess yes i mean and i've looked at kind of ads the company like 
you know, Alibaba's um, subsidiary and financial that runs Sesame Credits, one of the most widely used privately provided uh, social credit services. I've, I've really looked in depth at their kind of advertising on subways and other places. Something really interesting they do is they've actually offered a training course for high school and college students at I think like 40 different schools around the country. Um, and so in articles that I've looked at about these courses and uh, several others that insist there needs to be this kind of training for broader social credit, you know, at the public level as well, um, students are walked through all of the factors that might help them get a good credit score, right? Like paying your bills on time or only having friends with good scores. They're put in scenarios where they're asked to role play that they're money lenders. So they're asked, would you give a loan to a teacher with low wages and no bad habits or to an unemployed 20 something year old who smokes, drinks, gambles? and only has a little bit of money in the bank. And so as students, you know, they're taught, like, obviously give money to the first person. (laughs) Um, So they're being taught to think of credit as an asset and a label that will determine the careers they're eligible for, among other choices in their futures. Um, And in one of the articles I I read, it said that, you know, after the class, everyone pulled out their phone to check their Sesame credit score. So it's clear that the courses are a way of reaffirming the importance of this particular status marker in people's lives, uh, incentivizing people to leave digital traces of their behavior, you know, make your purchases and your bill payments using Alipay so that it can have these data points that it'll feed into your scoring. So be open, be transparent, enter your data wherever you want to get credit and yes, the score is the, the center of your life. <laughs> <laughs> This is Merrick's Experts. You are listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast on current research on China. My guest today is Shazida Ahmed, and we're discussing China's social credit system. Shazida, let's move on. Um, I would like to know more about how the Chinese public thinks about the social credit system. You've done surveys of internet forums and bulletin board services um, like Weibo and WeChat and several others to get a sense what people have been saying about social credit online. Um, So how do people in China think about all this? So from the general sweep of these forums, uh, it seems that people who have high scores don't actually think the perks are so great, and they kind of humble brag about how unexciting the benefits are. But they get flooded with friend requests from strangers who think that having friends with high scores will raise their own scores. In some cases, they even provide their private phone numbers to these people to add them so that those people, maybe their scores will go up. It's not clear. And then there's kind of a minority opinion as well, you know, people who express concern that social credit companies are gathering too much of their personal data and have too much power as a result. Do you have to be worried if if you have a very low score? What can happen? You do. So it's interesting because in none of the forums did I see someone say, I have this incredibly low score. What do I do? The people who want right. The people who want higher scores will never never tell you what their score is. Um, And the score gets updated once a month. You have to see, I think, on the sixth of the month or something what your score is that month. Um, But thinking about the downsides of really low scores, in the Ann Financial Corporate Sustainability Report for 2016, 
2016, they kind of brag about how if your score is very low, it doesn't matter what you do to try to get yourself out of debt or, you know, improve it. Um, it never really goes over a certain number. You kind of plateau. But I found that so interesting, like that the, this is the company saying, you know, if you were in debt, it doesn't matter what you do to try to get out of it. You don't get like an 800. Nobody really knows how the scores are compiled exactly. after all. So yeah. there's always room for manipulation, I would guess. Yeah. Let's talk about privacy. How do Chinese people think about the notions of privacy? But when it comes to something like social credit, it seems that most people are comfortable with turning over their personal data for these services, and still many more have no idea how the system actually works. So the question of privacy is kind of a bigger one I'm hoping to answer by interviewing people in China who are using social credit apps to get a sense of what they think about in terms of privacy. Have you seen cases or have you read about cases of people trying to manipulate their score in a criminal way uh, yeah hacking or what no, that's something i could think of now <laughs> sure there's one article i've seen um and it's really interesting because the article still raises the question of how many points of a difference a hacker can actually make but in this article uh, they profiled a hacker who said that for 400 rmb they can raise user sesame credit scores by a couple of points so basically um, in exchange for a person's full name their state id their alipay login credentials their username and password um, the hacker might look for another person with the exact same name and insert personal information about the second person into the first person's account. So the examples they gave were finding records of property, ownership, and car you know, licenses um, that someone with an identical name owns, and then making it seem like the client, right, the first person who asked, you know, can you raise my score, it, making it seem like they own, you know, an Audi and two, two apartments, two houses, whatever. Do you think this whole system will one day be exposed portable to other countries. And Financial has already been assertive about making Alipay available throughout Southeast Asia. Uh, they merged with the Hello Pay group, which owns the largest mobile payment provider in Southeast Asia, Lazada. And then they've rebranded it as Alipay Singapore, Alipay Malaysia, Alipay Philippines, and Alipay Indonesia. Um, so presumably it'll be available to locals through their local bank accounts. Um, and I can see a lot of countries, especially those with bigger populations and slower development, finding the prospect of social credit enticing. So the question for me is, are they committed to the growing pains of making something mm. like social credit a reality? Because even China is having problems with it. I would like to shortly get back to um, the projects the government is uh in engaging in right now. Um, they, there have been cooperations in cities where sensors have been installed on streets and they are going to build the so-called smart cities and want to combine this with these credit score systems. Um, how far have those... There are some projects, I understand, in some cities. How far are they proceeding? How, how good are they proceeding? So yeah. I've seen a couple of examples of this. I mean, Ann Financial and other companies are talking about making social credit, like the infrastructure underlying, you know, the new type of smart city. Um, Alibaba has partnered with a bunch of different government bureaus in cities like Guiyang. Uh, so like an example I can think of is with the Guiyang Municipal Public Security Bureau. Um, Alibaba is providing cloud computing power for them to process data on traffic patterns and traffic violations, criminal records, automated detection of fake license plates. And according to the executive deputy director of that city's public security bureau, crime rates dropped by almost 6% since they started using Alibaba's cloud services. I'm not really sure how they're establishing causality between those two things, but I think it fits into this narrative in China that's increasingly gaining traction about how technology
technology can solve any and all problems. Um, you know, the other example kind of going in the direction of the smart city, um, there are hospitals that have partnered with Ant Financial so that if you have a certain Sesame Credit score, you can receive medical diagnosis and treatment before paying, uh, sort of fast track through like, you know, the very intricate, <laughs> complex Chinese hospital system with any of us here have encountered it before. So there yeah. is many upsides, possible upsides for sure. those with high scores and, yeah. well... Strange things to come for those with low scores and better yeah. don't cross a red, red light in a city that yeah. has these systems installed, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Shazida Ahmed, thank you very much for your for sharing your insights oh, here. Thanks. Um, and wish you all the best for your further research. Thank you so much. I'm Claudia Wessling and you were listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast of Mercator Institute for China Studies. Thank you, everybody, and bye for now. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org. <laughs>